G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And it's my privilege to introduce to the airwaves today my good friend, Matty Russell. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, thanks, Matt. How are you? Very good, mate. Now, I'm a big fan of yours. I've had so much feedback about your preaching, and I've heard you speak. You've got a great gift on your life. Uh, But we want to find out a bit of your story today. Whereabouts were you born and raised? I was born and raised in country Victoria. So born in a small country town not far from Melbourne called Camperdown. Uh, later moved to the country in Gippsland, Victoria, and uh, and then from there to a really small country town of a population of about 2,000 people in a place called Ballara, mm-hmm. which not many people have ever heard of. So, yeah, raised in the country. Okay, and did you have a religious upbringing? What, what was your upbringing like? No, uh, actually quite the opposite. So I was raised in a uh, drug-fueled, alcoholic, atheistic environment that consisted of a lot of domestic violence. So uh, atheism was the prominent train of thought. Uh, The only time we ever heard anything about Jesus or God is probably how most Australians do outside of Christian circles, and that is as a cuss word or swear word or someone, you know, stubs their toe or something like that. So absolutely no Christian upbringing whatsoever. And, mate, I heard things got pretty rough for you uh, in your story. Tell us about, um, you know, the difficult times you went through as a young fella. Yeah, so uh, my mother suffered seven years of domestic violence before um, she made a decision to run away from my father. He was at work one day, and she'd just had enough. She was in fear of her own life, and he would beat her quite severely on a regular basis. Uh, So she took me, my twin brother, I have a twin brother, She took me, my twin brother, and my older sister, and she left. At that stage, she was living uh, in Melbourne, and she went uh, into Gippsland, Victoria, uh, and she did her best to raise us. She did her best to raise us as a single mother, but she had her own issues, and, um, you know, there was a a dysfunction in the family home. I think it doesn't matter how much a mother tries to fulfill the role of a father. It's important to have that father figure around, and because we didn't have a father figure around, um, because there was a lot of dysfunction within the family home. It kind of was an environment that was conducive to further dysfunction. And so by the age of 12, I was a drug addict. By the age of 14, uh, uh, totally suicidal. And uh, life just seemed like it was a recipe for disaster. And, mate, I know that uh, things kept spiralling downhill until you came to faith. Tell us yeah. a bit about your, your conversion story. Yeah, so, I mean, I was, uh, the first encounter I ever had with God uh, wasn't anticipated. I didn't go looking for it. Um, you know, Romans chapter 10, verse 20, uh, Paul is speaking prophetically, and uh, the Lord is speaking through him, saying, I was found by a people I never looked for, and uh, I was about to actually kill myself at the age of 17. I was going to use a, uh, a, di- a certain instrument to do that, and we go into detail you know, just in case there's some young people tuning in, but uh, I was going to take my own life, and right when I was about to take my own life, I had a supernatural encounter with God where I heard God speak to me. He called me by my name, and he said, Matthew, 
everything's going to be okay. And I just remember, um, you know, it's about 12 o'clock at night, I'm looking up into the stars and I'm thinking to myself, God just spoke to me and uh, a peace just filled my heart. And I knew that he had made a promise that everything was going to be okay. And for the next three years, life would spiral out of control. Drug addiction would get worse. Violence would get worse. Crime would get worse. But there was an anchor that somehow, some way, a God who I don't know promised me that everything was going to be okay. And uh, what basically happened is I was at work for the doll, a uh, Centrelink incentive program to you know, make you work and look for work and actively you know, give you skills and an opportunity. So I went to work for the Dole and I met a Torres Strait Islander who had spent six years in prison for beating police officers, had got out of prison, went down to the Broadwater on the Gold Coast and uh, had had a radical encounter with Jesus. And so he got saved and became an evangelist and he was at work for the Dole. He had his guitar and he was worshipping Jesus at the lunch break and everyone was thinking... This guy's a weird dude. I've never seen a Christian in my life. And so he's the first Christian I've had an experience with. And, and he's radical. He's on fire for Jesus. He's telling us the gospel. He's worshiping. And I just remember thinking, if that's what a Christian looks like, I'm not sure if I want to be one. I just thought, this is a, this is a really strange, radical dude. Um, but over the weeks, he began to um, wear off on me, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like the Lord was softening my heart over a couple of weeks, and every day he would just share Jesus. And, and he was a hip-hop artist, a rapper, and I'm a hip-hop artist, a rapper, and so he would rap about Jesus, and I would rap about the things of the world. And one day, he finished rapping about Jesus, and I said to him, you know what? I believe in God. And so he said, awesome. You and me, lunchtime, we're going to go down to the park, and you're going to give your life to Jesus. And I just remember thinking what the heck does that mean? I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I don't even understand that terminology. And, and he said, well, we'll go down to the park at lunchtime and, and I'll lead you in a prayer. And you can pray to Jesus and, and Jesus will save you. And so he shared the gospel with me and we went down to the park at lunchtime and I prayed a prayer. I prayed to Jesus for the first time. And while I knew that Jesus had heard my prayer, there wasn't a radical change. I, I felt peace in my heart. But for the next nine days, life continued as normal drug addiction, sleeping around, partying. One day I woke up um, on a Sunday morning with a hangover, and I remembered that this guy's church was just around the corner. And so I thought, what? well, let's just go and give it a, a try. You know, I can't, uh, haven't got nothing to lose, so I just decided I'll go to the church. And Well, I was expecting a Catholic service. You know, I was expecting a priest with a white collar and candles and... <laughs> Uh, hymns and you know, and I, I I didn't care. I was like, I need God in my life. I need change. I need to meet this God who spoke to me when I was 17 years old. Now at this time, it was three years later. So I went to church. It was a small church in Southport on the Gold Coast. And as I walked in, this guy who had been telling me about Jesus was breakdancing up the front of the church, spinning around on his back. And there's you know about 150 people in the church, and they're all jumping up and down and excited and smiling. And there's a whole band and you know, and I just think, I just remember thinking, wow, he's not the only one that's like that. They're all like this. They're all, you know, excited about life. And uh, so I was shown to my seat. Long story short, the gospel was preached that Sunday. They gave an altar call to respond to the gospel. And as the pastor was giving the plea for people in the congregation, if you've never given your life to Jesus, come forward now. People started to stand up out of their seats and make their way down to the front of the church to surrender their life to Jesus. I just remember thinking to myself, there's no way I'm doing that. And then my heart's beating a hundred mile an hour and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is there. And 
while my mind was telling me there's no way I'm going to do that, my heart was saying to me, this is why I was born. This is, this is the reason I'm alive, to encounter God and to meet Jesus. And so uh, it's like God had lassoed my heart and was pulling me to the altar to surrender my life to Jesus. And as I got to the altar, I had all I can explain is a born-again experience. I encountered the power and presence of God, and immediately I became convicted of my sin. In fact, I felt so unclean in, in the presence of this holy God. And To me, it, before that, it felt like God was on the other side of Mars, but that Sunday morning, He was right on top of me, and all I could think of was how intense my sin was. I just began to tremble and to weep and to cry uncontrollably, and a man began to counsel me through salvation. He said, whatever you need to ask God for forgiveness for, just begin to cry out to Jesus. And so I spent probably the next half an hour just crying out to Jesus with all of my heart, and then all of a sudden something supernatural happened. This God who felt like he was holy and on top of me, I couldn't escape. All of a sudden I felt tangible love pour into my heart as though Jesus himself had stepped inside of me and radically set me free. Within two weeks I was totally drug and alcohol free. My whole world had changed, and I knew that I was a brand new person. Wow, man, this is yeah. just a great testimony of someone who, you know, you weren't even looking for God, you know, uh, but God showed up. And, you know, That's I right. often think of the, the prodigal son story, you know. Uh, God, you know, you know, Jesus shared that story, but it's like the father, he ran to the son, didn't he? Yeah. You know, the son was coming back in that instance, but he ran to it. And this is the thing, God pursues us, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. Yes, mm. he does. Yeah. And if I was to look back over my early childhood, I can see signs of God working in my life, leading me to that moment where I would meet Him face to face. He definitely pursues us and seeks us in a wonderful way. Well, tell us a bit more about your story. So, you know, that's a, that's a radical transformation. Um, how did you get into ministry? Did you start preaching straight away? Yeah, I did. So, I mean, I came home from church, and the first people I started to preach to was my immediate family members. And so I barred through the front door and... and uh, and I just began to share the gospel with my mom and my twin brother, and um, and they didn't want a bar of it. They were, like, totally against it. You know, my mom, she was like, you go to church one day, and all of a sudden your whole life's changed. And <laughs> she couldn't believe it. She couldn't accept that I could go from being a drug addict to being on fire for Jesus, and, and, uh, and my whole life transformed. And so it took her a while to come to terms with the fact that this wasn't a fight that I was going through. But I began to preach to my family, and... You know, they would, uh, they would persecute me and tell me to shut up and say all kinds of nasty things. Which, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that they were genuinely intending to hurt me, but it was just they didn't want Jesus in the house. And so, uh, but Jesus was in me, and I couldn't shut up. I just, everywhere I went, I was telling people about Jesus. My, my closest friends, I'd catch up with them and begin to share Jesus with them and how he radically changed my life. And, and immediately, just from all different um, angles, people were not accepting what I was saying. I would go into my bedroom and have powerful encounters with Jesus. And, and uh, even though the world was rejecting me, I knew I had been accepted by God and that nothing could take that away. So even though people didn't want to hear, I, I couldn't shut up. And, and it wasn't like I was Bible bashing or ramming it down their throat. I had found the answer to everything, and I wanted to share it with everyone. And so I began to preach on the streets. And, and, and uh, the church that I was going to had a... Um, a homeless feeding program where they put on free meals twice a day for the homeless. And so I started to preach the gospel there and started to see many people saved and many people encounter God, make, making many decisions for Christ. And, and so from there, they put me on the preaching roster at church and, um, and I started to preach. Uh, 
and, and uh, give sermons and see the Lord really begin to move powerfully and uh, people flooding altar calls. And, and uh, yeah, it was just the Lord's grace at work in my life and a fire that I couldn't, that no one could put out. You know, yeah. I just was on fire for Jesus. And so, yeah. Now, mate, you, you, you're married with kids now, and you're traveling around the world preaching the gospel. So you've been, I know you've been all around Australia, all around New Zealand, yeah. uh, and God's opened up doors for you all around the world. You, what are you, 35? Is that how old you are? Yeah, 35, 36 in October. Mate, amazing how God is doing this in your life. Tell us a bit about where you've preached around the world now. Uh, well, yes, um, I've preached in Africa on four times, four occasions been to Africa, uh, Kenya, Uganda within Africa, um, Indonesia. Now, Indonesia is the main nation which the Lord has placed on my heart. Incredible doors are beginning to open in Indonesia. I just got back from Indonesia um, about eight weeks ago and... Um, just from phenomenal opportunity and and the way that the Lord moved in those meetings just way exceeded my expectation. We saw over 250 confirmed healings, uh, more than 1,200 decisions for Christ, and uh, just saw people radically in, encountering the Lord mm. in such a profound way. And so Indonesia has been a, a nation that's been on my heart for well since I was saved, and, and I've over the years gone back to and through. But really, some big doors are starting to open there. Uh, doors are opening in Pakistan. Uh, and uh, also, yeah, preached in, in the USA and um, in Papua New Guinea and the Philippines. And so, you know, the nations are ripe and uh, Jesus is, you know, this part of the Great Commission. You know, a lot of people are waiting for the Lord to say, give me a word to go. And Jesus has already given us a word to go. My conviction is this, you don't need a word to go, you need a word to stay. Yeah. And so, you know, if we don't have a word to stay, then let's get out there and preach the gospel and reap the nations and see God move powerfully in this generation. So it's exciting times, exciting to be alive, and, and I'm just grateful to be a part of what God's doing in the world. You know, I, was in a, I say this all the time, and, and I mean it in genuine sincerity and humility that I used to be a drug addict, but I'm a Christian now. Mm. And if God's using people in our generation, then here I am, Lord. Use mm. me. Amen. That's so God, good, mate. God uses those who make themselves available. Yeah. Now, mate, before we wrap up, uh, I do want people to uh, hear this incredible gift you have as a rapper as well, brother. Uh, (laughs) And I know it's hard just to, you know, do a cold rap, but, you know, I heard you do it at our soup kitchen recently. Can you just lay down a bit of one of these raps that you do? Because people love this stuff, don't they? Go for it, mate. Take it away. All right. Okay. Check it, got me a crowd in the stage, platform to rage war. This ain't about fame, I proclaim to transform my stance raw. Hovering up like a bandsaw, I cause you love to spin like whirlwinds in a sandstorm. What? The long storm staying true to the cause. If you were thinking this is killer, we were thinking the same thought. With blaze drawn, cut and thick like a claymore. A comforting convict with one swing of the same sort. I'm reborn, preaching Christ as Lord. Someone seeds the fine fall, ripping all that he died for. A crown of thorns, bleeding flesh that's torn. I can hear the fields call, but I'm the reason I came forth. Thank you. So good, mate. So good. And you're fast, man. I, I, I do these like old school DC talk raps and I'm slow and trying to remember the words. You know, you're like a machine gun rapper, mate. You just go for it. Um, so I know that you've got a great gift to that. I know you love to sing when you preach as well. You've got a great voice. Uh, you've got a great calling on your life. Uh, now, if there are people listening that have never actually heard the gospel, and yeah. if you had like 60 seconds just to share that with our listeners, what, what would you say? Great. I would say this, first and foremost, um, the Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And, you know, in this generation, it's, we don't really hear that terminology much, sinners. But the Bible says that we have all sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. And because God is holy, God must hold us accountable for our sins. And there's a day of judgment coming where God will judge the world in righteousness because of his holy standards. Now, there's two types of people in this world, and you know we don't like to put people in categories, but really you're either going to heaven or you're going to a place that's separate from God that the Bible calls hell. And that's bad news, but the good news. So you have to say the bad news before the good news makes sense. Because without the bad news, the good news is just average news. But the good news, the great news, is this, that God loves the world, everyone in the world, regardless of how bad they've been or what walks of life they're from. He loved the entire world so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross. And the Bible says that the punishment for sin is death, and that is why Jesus came into the world to die. He died the death that we deserve to pay the price we couldn't pay to bring us back to God. And so God can forgive our sins because our sins were judged on Jesus Christ. He didn't sweep them under the carpet. He didn't turn a blind eye. The penalty for sin was paid when Jesus bled and died in our place. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And the Bible says that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but will have everlasting life. It's a free gift from God. And the Bible says that the people who hear the gospel, that good news, need to do two things. Firstly, they need to repent, which means to change their mind. And secondly, believe in the gospel. And it's that simple. If you repent, change your mind about everything else and trust in Jesus and believe in the gospel, then the promise is you will have eternal life, that God will wash your sins away and cast them as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. And so on. Jesus said this, and it's not just waiting to go to heaven when we die. This is about entering into a living, breathing, dynamic relationship with Jesus right now where we live. He said this when he was praying to the Father. He said, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God. And Jesus promised him, he said. So it's not a a, a system of rules. This is about a living, breathing relationship with Jesus. And he promises that if he sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And that's my story. So That is good news. My heart is that they also would call on the name of Jesus and receive that precious gift of salvation and allow God to change them forever. Well, mate, why don't you just lead us in a prayer? Anyone that's listening right now that wants to get the heart right with Jesus, just yeah. pray this prayer with Maddie and uh, believe in the Lord. Uh, lead us, mate. Yeah, awesome. Dear Jesus, you promised in your word that if we call on your name, that you will save us. So we call on your name. Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me. I ask that you would wash me clean. I ask that you would save me. I make a decision today to give my life to you. And I ask that you would give me the grace to live for you. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I thank you that you paid the price for me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer and you'd like us to uh, send you a Bible and some information about following Jesus, you can send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. That's info at historymakersradio.com. We're more than happy to uh, send you a Bible from the Bible League and information about following Jesus. And if people do want to contact you, uh, Maddie, what's the best place? uh, What's your website and what's the ministry called? Yeah, great. So the ministry is called World for Christ. And uh, the website is www.worldforchrist.net. Alternatively, uh, we also have a Facebook page, so World for Christ um, on the social media platform there. Awesome, mate. Well, it's been so good to hear your story today, and we pray the Lord will continue to open doors for you and that many lives will be impacted. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks much, Matt. Cheers. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.